Hi, listeners, and welcome to The Power to Prevent, the podcast of Prevent Child Abuse, Illinois. We believe everyone has a role to play in preventing child abuse, and that responsibility starts with education. My name's Lane. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Jill. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of our podcast. And thanks so much to everyone who has listened and shared our episodes so far. If you haven't already, follow us on Facebook to get updates on our upcoming events and trainings and for more resources. We have a really special guest with us today, our Executive Director, Denise McCaffrey. Denise has been a part of our agency for over 20 years and has been the Executive Director for the last several years. Thank you so much for joining us today, Denise. Thank you all for having me. So, Denise, can you tell us what brought you to Prevent Child Abuse Illinois? Absolutely. It's, you know, I'm, I'm old, so that story goes way back. But I started working with families and kids a long time before coming to PCA Illinois. I taught parenting classes and I worked with an organization called The Parent Place here in Springfield, teaching parenting classes and doing home visits with families and ended up getting a job with Catholic Charities, an organization that handled cases for DCFS. And And I began working with families more on the intervention side, going into the homes and working with the families and children who had already had cases with the Department of Children and Family Services. And so doing that for several years, I really began to think about how I would really prefer being on the prevention side, working with families before they had problems arise. So I learned about a position here at Prevent Child Abuse Illinois, and I applied, and luckily I was accepted into a brand new program. So this was 22 years ago. I started in 2001 into a program called the Prevention Resource Development Project, and that was a project, as I said, that was brand new to PCA Illinois, and what they really wanted us to do is to work to link together child welfare organizations with domestic violence services, and substance abuse uh, treatment programs. And that was so important because 20 plus years ago, those programs didn't really speak to each other. They were all doing their work and they were actually working with the same families, but they had different focuses. You know, child welfare, their main focus and their main client, so to speak, was the child. For domestic violence services, they often worked with the parent or caregiver within the family. And then substance abuse treatment programs, they really focused on the disease, right? They were treating the disease. So to bring all three of those silos together to talk and come to the same table really was new and different. And we here at Prevent Child Abuse Illinois did a lot of collaboration. We did a lot of cross training. Uh, We developed a lot of materials and we really worked hard to bring those three organizations together. Of course, once we were in that program for several years, we realized there were so many other organizations out there also working with these families, including schools and the YMCA and and other, you know, sports programs. So we really started working with everyone to understand those issues and how they impact child abuse and neglect and, and families and children in general. Even having heard some of that before, it's still so interesting to hear about how the agency operated multiple decades ago because most of us on the call today have just started within the last couple of years. So it's really interesting to hear that context of, of how we have evolved since since you started. So how long did you stay in that position? Did you move into a different position or were you there for several years? 
Yes, I was in that position. Gosh, you're taxing my brain now thinking, don't make me do math, but (laughs) I was definitely in that position about eight, nine years. And in 2009, I moved into the position that is now currently our director of program positions. So I was very excited to move into that position. And we really had branched out and had adapted our programs really for everyone. We were doing so much education. We had trainings on so many different topics. We had started developing our 20 ways list. We had started developing some new posters and many, many PowerPoints and training programs that we were delivering to all sorts of different sectors and people. So it was really an exciting time. Well, it sounds like you made a huge impact on the agency through all of your positions. Well, thank you. It, it has really been a labor of love. You know, working with families and children is my passion. I really believe that when we know better, we do better. And I take that from my own personal life. When my children were young, many, many years ago, I took a lot of parenting classes because it really helped me to understand and learn how to be a better parent. Yeah. Children don't come with, you know, rule books and, and instruction manuals. So it's really important to have that education out there for parents who need it. It really is. And we, you know, no, children really don't come with any set of instructions. And parenting is one of the hardest jobs we can ever do. I always felt like I was walking this tightrope that, you know, if I didn't do it exactly right, I was going to ruin my children forever. And if I fell off that tightrope, oh my gosh, that was just the end of it. And I I really learned over the years that parenting is more like a teeter-totter. You know, some days you do really good, some days you don't. But as long as you can find that balance of going kind of back and forth. That's that's what brings the fun into our lives. And we all have to be open to, to learning new things and just being the best we can be at, at parenting or whatever we do. Yeah. And allowing ourselves to make mistakes, like you said, because everyone Absolutely. will make mistakes. Absolutely. And especially like with how much parenting changes throughout the years too, as we get new information and new science comes out and new um, methods of parenting, how have you seen that kind of change throughout your years at PCA Illinois? Oh, absolutely, Kelsey. You know, it really has changed a lot. And I think one of the biggest changes is learning about ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, the, the program that you work within, is so important. I mean, we really did learn that when you have trauma in your childhood, it affects you way into adulthood. And that trauma can be something that happens that we have no control over. You know, if you have a death in the family or a natural disaster or something like that, it's not always child abuse and neglect (laughs) that is that trauma in a children's life. And I think that we all end up having some of those adverse childhood experiences, but it's having that adult that can help you through it. And I think that for me, that's been some of the biggest changes that I've seen in parenting is recognizing what those traumas might be for children, Mm -hmm. recognizing that all kids need help through some of the stress and trauma and recognizing that children have stress. I mean, I think back in the day when my kids were little, you know, oh, kids are resilient. You know, that was always what people said. And 
they didn't stop to think about the impact that stress could be having in children's lives. The stress of going to school, the stress of being bullied, the stress of living in a, in a household that maybe was unstable, where parents were, you know, struggling with drug and alcohol issues or other, you know, mental health issues. No one really stopped to think about the impact on kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that has been a huge change. And I think it really has been a huge change in parenting and parenting strategies, but also in our industry. You know, people that work in child welfare, we've had to learn about that as well. Mm -hmm. And we've had to learn, and even at our agency, had to develop trainings to teach the professionals how to be more trauma-informed and trauma-aware and what they need to teach to families to help the families be trauma-aware and recognize that trauma and stress in children's lives and, and how to help them grow up to be happy, healthy adults. Yeah, I imagine that mental health in general has been a huge change in the way we've talked about mental health across the years. Just in my own lifetime, I know there's been a huge change, a huge shift of just recognizing that many people have mental illnesses and the challenges that come with them. So thanks for providing that great context of how things have changed um, and how your perspective in, in the industry has changed. Absolutely. So speaking of changes and and challenges, I'm curious, Denise, what do you see as one of the biggest challenges that you faced during your time at PCA Illinois? I, I expect you might talk about COVID a bit, and that's what prompted my question, but that certainly doesn't have to be the answer. But I'm just curious if you have one or two just big things in mind that were really tough to kind of work through and, and overcome. Absolutely. That's that's a great question. Thank you, Jill. You know, I took over being the executive director almost six years ago, and I always said that it was a little bit of trial by fire because I, I became the executive director and like within a week, our server went out and several things that I was not prepared for that we quickly had to jump in and change and really look at and think, okay, so how are we doing this? You know, let's do it a little bit differently. And you know, I got through the first couple of years and thought, whew, okay, I, I think I've got this now. Wow, yeah, I can do this. And and then COVID hit. And for me, COVID really, and I, I, I shouldn't say this because I think it impacted everyone, you know, in so many different ways. And that stress and that trauma, it just really put a lot on everyone. As the executive director, I just terrified. You know, I was in constant stress over our staff. We had one staff member end up in ICU near death, and that was so traumatic and and stressful. A couple months later, we had another staff member in ICU, you know, for a few days, and I worried about our grants. I worried about, you know, the fact that everything was shut down and how were we going to do things? And, you know, we really most of the work that we were doing pre-COVID was in-person trainings and setting up network meetings and pulling together child abuse prevention coalitions and bringing people together and supporting other organizations with our literature and with our posters and our information who were going out to families in their homes and could give them that information. And that all changed in a blink of an eye. And so figuring out how do we do the work that we do, it took all of us. It wasn't just me. It really took us coming together as an agency and a staff and every one of us figuring out, okay, what do we do now? Part of that was 
okay, instead of in-person trainings, we've got to figure out how to do webinars. People had been asking us to do webinars for several years prior to COVID. And we kept saying, oh, we can't do it. We don't have the technology. It's not the best way to learn. And all of a sudden, none of that mattered. We had to get the technology. We had to figure that out. And yes, it's not the best way to learn. So how do we make our webinars more impactful? How do we make them a platform where people can get the information that we want them to have? And so I think absolutely COVID changed everything that we do. And in some ways for the better. It really did make us rethink what we were doing and how to reach more people. And and we have reached more people through our webinars. And we continue to do them, even though we're back to doing some in-person trainings as well. But yes, hands down, COVID was the biggest impact in the past six years as, as the executive director for PCA Illinois. Well, yeah, that's just so incredible to hear about. And just kudos to you, Denise, for, you know, being the executive director through that, I can't imagine running an agency with all that uncertainty that we were facing. But it's also just incredible to hear about because having joined the agency in 2021, I only saw how everyone was working in COVID. And to me, it was like a well-oiled machine. It, it just seemed like that was what you guys had done for so long. So everyone really figured it out and worked together. And I've learned so much from the webinars I've I've been able to attend since joining the agency. So I know they're great. And we get awesome feedback from the surveys as well. So like you said, I think in some ways, COVID helped us expand and grow a little bit in that way. So thanks for providing some of that context. That was absolutely, you know, I think one of the biggest things that we struggled with was our conference. When the shutdown happened in March of 2020, we were already well into the planning phases for our October conference. And I was in denial. I kept saying, oh, it'll be over. The shutdown will be over. We'll be able to have our conference. No problem. And I just kept dragging my feet and doing nothing about it because I was sure we would all be back to normal by October. You know, that's six months or more. And finally, by July, I had to come to the realization that this may go on for a long time. And then in August, you know, just a couple of months before the conference, we were like, okay, we have to switch this to a virtual conference. We'd never done anything like that before. Staff rallied together. We have such a great staff at PCA Illinois. I admire all of you and all the staff that were here back in those days. We just had to find a new platform, something we'd never done and call uh, all of the people that are already agreed to present for us and have them switch so they could be virtual and not in person. And it just was really a learning curve for us. But you know, we did it two years in a row. We learned a lot in those two years. And now if we ever had to go back again, we've got that skill under our belt that we could do that. And I think it really, not just Provincial Abuse Illinois, I think it's really all of us have learned to look at problems from a different direction, be a little more patient, a little more open to doing things differently. So even though we all had terrible negative effects from COVID and the pandemic. I think there's been some positive things come out of it as well. Absolutely. So Denise, we know you've served uh, PCA Illinois for many years and, and you've made the decision to retire. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of what led up to that decision and how you came to decide to to step away from the agency? You know, my decision to retire was a really hard one. I 
was not quite ready to leave the agency, but sometimes it's time to to move on and to open new chapters in our lives. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, my mother is still alive at 95 and I don't get to see her enough or spend enough time with her. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. And I'm sure my retirement will bring lots of things that I haven't even thought of yet. So I'm excited about it. Well, we will definitely miss you, our fearless leader who has gotten us through the pandemic and lots of other challenges. But we're very excited to see where you go from here and and having more time with your friends and your family. I mean, that's the most important thing. And we'll probably be bothering you with questions and asking for support. And maybe even, I don't know, you want to be on the board one day. We'll see. Never know what the future will bring. I certainly am dedicated to this organization and to the mission and vision that the organization has. I believe that preventing child abuse is so important to the health of our society and to making a better world for all of us. Absolutely. So Denise, can you tell us, do you have any like projects or milestones from your time with PCA Illinois that you're particularly proud of? Wow, that's a great question, Kelsey. There are a lot of them. So that's tough. I mentioned earlier the 20 ways list. I think that is one of my favorites. We did that to honor our 20th anniversary as an agency. And so we really came together again as a staff. We had a committee and we talked about what topics we thought might be great for those lists. And each staff member took a topic and wrote out some ideas to go with it that topic. And then they kind of sent them back to me and it was up to me to pull them together, to polish them, to add to and edit and then put on the graphics and things like that. And I had such a good time with that project. It was really fun. And I think that most of the topics that we chose are really relevant today. I know Lane, you share them often on our social media page and they get lots of likes and they just really were common sense parenting things and things that people need to help them to be the best they can be in what they're doing. And so that's one project that really comes to mind when you ask that. It was so fun. And I think over the years, as an agency, we have grown so much. Back in the beginning, when I first started back in 2001, we had our Shaken Baby Can Be Deadly program talking about Shaken Baby Syndrome, which is now abusive head trauma that we talk about. We had a, a basic program on child abuse prevention, but we really had nothing around child sexual abuse prevention. That started several years later, thanks to Jennifer Samartano, one of our co-workers who really was knowledgeable about that issue and really brought it to us. And we did a lot of training around that, developing our own training. We all became stewards of children facilitators. And I think that also was pivotal for the agency to start bringing in other issues that are part of child abuse. And so that was an important milestone for us. I really believe the ACES project, Kelsey, that you work on is pivotal and so important to us as an agency. Jill, you're starting to work on neglect, another really important milestone for us, because I think the whole, I keep calling us an industry, but you know, whatever you term you use for child welfare 
and, and people that are working in child welfare and helping families, we are trying to look at neglect differently. And we're not trying to focus on the negative aspect, but really trying to support families and their concrete needs and, and those other supports that they need. So again, I think that's an important milestone and one that I'm really proud of that the agency is taking on and the work that we're doing around that. Thank you so much, Denise. I didn't even know that you were the person who added all the graphics to the 20 ways list. Those are so awesome. And like you said, we still share them on Facebook every month and they get tons of shares and people comment that they learned something new from them because, you know, some of it's common sense, but a lot of it, if someone wasn't taught that or given that tip, they wouldn't know. Um, So encourage everyone listening to go check them out. We'll link it in our show notes. There's a list for every month and you don't have to only read the list for or July or whenever this podcast episode is coming out. All the lists are great to read year round. So we encourage you to check those out. And I can also link the other programs that Denise mentioned, the Child Sexual Abuse Program, the ACEs Project, and the Childhood Neglect Program. Those all have web pages on our website. So go check those out if you want more information. And of course, we can schedule training for you as well. If any of those topics sound interesting to you, you just want to learn more. So when I think of highlights from my short time at PCA Illinois, it's the conference. And I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit more about maybe some of the history about our statewide conference and how it got to be just one of the highlights for for many folks in the industry. And I I know that you personally and, and the staff take a lot of pride in planning the conference and putting forward a high quality event. So you want to just talk a little bit about the conference and and your work over the years and how it got to be where it is. It's hard to believe that this is actually going to be our 29th annual conference. That's unbelievable to me. And being here 22 years, you know, it'll it'll be my, well, if I'm there, it'll be my 22nd uh, conference. But truthfully, funny thing that I kind of didn't realize when I started so many years ago is I had attended either the first or the second conference as a guest speaker so many years ago. And it was really strange. I mentioned the parent place earlier, and I was working at the parent place, kind of volunteer as a parent in a support group that I was a member of. And one of the the teachers at the parent place asked if I would come be a presenter at this conference. I had never presented anything before in my life. And she asked me to come and just kind of tell a little bit about my story and what I did at the parent place and what the parent place did for parents. And so I did that. And when I started here at the agency, eight, nine years later, I found out that they had cassette tapes of every conference. And I was able to go back and find that cassette tape where I was a speaker. Oh my gosh, I was terrible. My voice was shaking so bad. And I said, um, uh, a lot. And just really, it was awful. But it was so fun to go back and listen to that. And to think back how I was a part of this agency before I was ever a part of this agency. And I remember I got to go to a couple of their workshops and see some plenary speakers at that conference. And it was so impactful to me. And I think we continue to provide very impactful conferences. We work very hard as we choose a theme. We have our statewide planning committee that really kind of talks about the what's happening in the social work and child welfare realm currently so that we try to get really current issues that we talk about at the conference. 
And picking our plenary speakers is a several month process. So we make sure we find people that are cutting edge, you know, know the issues and really able to speak to our theme. We just put in a lot of work on this conference and I believe it is very impactful. We have, you know, now over 500 people that usually attend and the comments that we get, the evaluations really kind of verify that what we provide is so important to everyone. We have such a variety of topics, 24 breakout sessions, three plenaries. It's pretty amazing what we are able to pull off as a staff of nine or 10 and really be able able to, you know, have a conference that is so well attended with such great information. So proud of that. Yeah, it was amazing to go to the conference in person last year. That was my first conference. I think that was Jill and Kelsey's first conference as well. And it was awesome, you know, as new staff to see how how confident everyone was and then that in the system and knowing that, you know, everything will work out, you know, doing it the same way you did every year and got it all figured out. It was just incredible. Um, just a well-oiled machine. It really is. Staff works really hard. And we all, you know, leading up the the five, six, seven, eight meetings that we have leading up to the conference to make sure everything's in place and we don't forget anything. Staff works really hard on it. And I think it shows. Yeah, it definitely does. Thank you so much, Denise, for answering all of those questions and for just giving us a little bit of information on your background and and just explaining why you have such a passion for your work. It's so clear that you're so passionate about helping kids and families, and we're really going to miss you as an, our executive director, but it was so nice to have you on the podcast um, and just learn more about you. So now we're going to move into the next part of the podcast, which is our segments. And, you know, we cover different segments in each podcast episode, just depending on the topic of that episode. So today we asked Denise what segment she wanted to cover, and she said she would like to cover Now You Know. And this segment is where we debunk a common misconception related to child abuse and neglect. Denise, did you want to tell us about a common misconception or something that you've encountered in your time in this field? Sure. I think what comes to my mind is I think a lot of people, when they think about child abuse and neglect, they think anyone that could abuse a child is a monster. And that's really not true. You know, people don't set out to think, you know, oh gosh, I can't wait to have kids so I can abuse them. And no, you know, if we think about child abusers as monsters, we usually think, well, the only people that can deal with monsters in our society are the police, you know, and that's just not the truth. It's not reality. Most parents that abuse or neglect their kids love their kids very much. They just don't know how to handle them, certain situations they're going through, or they just might be struggling with some some things in their own life that they can't deal with. And when we stop to, to think that people that abuse kids or neglect kids are our family, our friends, and our neighbors, then we realize that we can do something about it. We all can do something about it. We can pay attention to our to the kids in our lives to make sure that all the children that we're around and that we know are safe and that they're doing well. And if they're not, then let's let's reach out to the families and and offer some assistance. Maybe we can babysit. Maybe we can cook dinner a few nights a week and take some stress off of that family. You know, sometimes we have to report, but that report doesn't mean that we're trying to get that family in trouble. 
It means that we're trying to provide some help for them to give them that extra support that they need to get through a a difficult time. So I think that that's the biggest myth that that I would like to debunk, that people that abuse children, they're not monsters. They are our family, our friends, and our neighbors, and that we can all help in the situation. We can all reach out, offer assistance in one way or another, and protect children. And it's important that we do that. It's important that we pay attention to the children in our lives so that we can provide that support or report if we need to. Yeah, I totally agree. I think a lot of people kind of lean on that and not even maybe consciously and so that they're they're not looking for the kids who need help. You know, I'm trying to find the right words, but like you said, they're everywhere, you know, they're in our own community and they're not monsters in the sense that you just look out and you know who is struggling um with with these issues within their families. Um and a lot of people just think like, oh, you know, like no one in my community is 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 abusing their kids or neglecting their kids. Like no one would do that here. But, you know, it's it's deeper than that. It's more nuanced than that. It's not as simple as as like you said, a parent just deciding they want to do that. I understand what you're saying though, Lane. Um and I, I think that's super important to think about too, Denise, and as providers to be able to put ourselves in that situation too, where we're kind of empathizing with the parents. When I worked in child abuse prevention, that's one of the things that really was a, a profound moment for me, I guess, and really changed how I approached things was just putting myself in the situation that some of the parents I was working with were going through and realizing that it very, very easily, if I was in the same situation, could have been me, like totally understand how without having like the supports in place or the knowledge, it could lead to situations of abuse or neglect. And it's not because the parents didn't love their children, but like you were saying, it's just that they didn't have that in place um, to really help them. And uh, putting myself in that situation where I realized it could easily be myself, even though I'm working in prevention, it's just so easy to think that it could never happen to us until, until it does. Right. Good point, Kelsey. And I think also we don't always, you know, it's easy to think that we would recognize child abuse if we saw it. And we don't always. Some of it's really hard to recognize. I think I mentioned earlier how it's important to pay attention to the children in our lives. But I think that is also talking to them, asking them, how are you doing? How's your life? Are you okay? Because we think that, you know, if a child's being abused, we'll see bruises or maybe we see a child that's always kind of dirty and smelly and we're like, okay, there's something wrong here. But sometimes a child that's being abused is the straight A student that you would never suspect. So it's so important not only to to pay attention to the parents and to see if they're struggling, but to talk to kids in our lives and ask them genuinely, how are you doing? How's your life? Is everything okay? You know, so that we can get a sense of someone that might need some support and some help. Thank you for that great advice, Denise. That's so important for everyone to keep in mind. Now we'll move on to our next segment, which is called We All Have a Role to Play. And this is just sort of our wrap-up segment every episode. And it's just where we talk about the importance of child abuse prevention and that truly everyone can make a difference and everyone has a role to play, like Denise was saying. So Denise, do you want to take it off? Sure. Thank you, Lane. I'd be happy to. You know, I mentioned that earlier, and I really do believe we all have a role to play in preventing abuse and neglect. And when I think of this, it it reminds me of a story that this happened 
happened years ago because it involves my younger son and he is a grown man now. But back when he was 16, he was working at a movie theater and this was his first job. And sometimes he worked late at night, uh, but he was always coming home and, and telling me stories. And he came home one night and he said, mom, mom, you'll never guess what happened at the movie theater. I'm like, what happened? And he's like, oh, it was the biggest mess. This lady was there and she had these kids and they spilled popcorn everywhere. And it was just awful. And I'm like, oh, really? And he said, oh yeah. And then after the movie, she came out and she started yelling at her kids and she was hitting one of her kids. And I, w I wasn't sure what to do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. I can't believe that. And I'm like, what did you do? And he said, well, you know what? They, she was hitting her kid and I, I saw him go outside and she went to the car and she was putting her kid in the car and she was hitting them. So I knew if I ran out the door after them that the door would lock. So I grabbed a garbage can. I put it in the door and so the door wouldn't lock. And there was a second door. I had to throw my coat in that door so it wouldn't lock. And I, I went running out to the car to, to stop her from hitting this kid. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Kian, I can't believe you would do that. You're 16 years old and you were willing to intervene with this woman that was hitting her child. And he said, yeah, well, definitely I had to do something. And I said, well, what, what did you do? And he said, well, I never made it up to the car. Another woman came over and started talking to her and before I could even get there. And that woman was saying, oh, I know how hard life is. I know these little kids can get to you. And he said, you know, so I never had to say anything, but I don't know what I would have said. I guess I would have just started talking to her and asked her what was wrong and what happened. And, you know, when he was telling me that story, it was so impactful to me uh, that a 16-year-old kid was going to intervene where most adults don't intervene. The person that walked up and started talking to this lady and, and trying to, to help her is unusual. Most of us turn the other way. And I just was so proud of my son, you know, and I told him, of course, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you to to intervene and, and to be willing to do that. And he said to me, well, I, I know about it, mom, because of you. I'm proud of you and the work you do. And of course, it was a, a mutual love fest between the two of us, but it really did impact me. And I think about that story, even though it happened 20 years ago, I think about that story today and how he was willing to intervene. And I think that we all have to be willing to intervene. We have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone a little bit. And if we see something, to say something, whether it's to the parent, to the child, whether we make a hotline call, we do all have a role to play. And I believe that so many, we've heard of so many cases where adults didn't step up. You know, I think about the sexual abuse scandals within churches. Uh, I think about some of the abuse within schools that has been ignored. And adults, other adults knew about this. Other professionals knew about what was happening and didn't do anything to protect children. And I come back to if a 16-year-old that had no idea what he was going to do was still willing to put himself in harm's way or out of his comfort zone on behalf of a child, that every adult out there ought to be willing and able to do the same thing. Let's, let's step up for children. Let's 
Let's be willing to put ourselves in an uncomfortable situation. And often the best thing to do is just to approach that parent and say, whoa, whoa, man, what's going on? How can I help? You know, what can, what can I do to help? What happened? Or man, I've been there. I felt like, like, you know, hitting my child, but there's a better way. And, you know, really offering to support that parent is the best way to respond. But I firmly believe we all have a role to play. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Denise. That was such a powerful story and really is just a real life example of what we've been talking about, that parents who are struggling in these situations aren't outright monsters that you can just see, um, you know, like this is this was a parent struggling and someone who clearly had reached a breaking point. And like Kelsey said, having that empathy and recognizing and asking why, you know, like you said, why, why are you why is this happening? Do you need help? What can I do to, to show you there's another option here? Um, because there is always another way. There's always a, a, a an option where children aren't hurt and we can all help. You don't have to be a professional to help parents see those other options. So we'll find some resources and link those about this specific topic. Jill, Kelsey, do you have any other perspectives as, you know, sort of professional side, any other tips to give people if they saw something happening in public? I just really appreciated Denise's focus on support, you know, just really coming to a place if you find yourself in in a situation where you can intervene, just offering support first and foremost, just acknowledging how hard parenting is and, you know, just being able to to offer some possible words of encouragement or or maybe some alternatives and and so often like like we've touched on parents are just in in a in a bad moment in a bad place and and need need another perspective or 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 someone to to step in and and offer some support so yeah i just really did appreciate that and just the whole idea that it's maybe an overused phrase but it does take a village right to to raise a child and i think through COVID, we've lost some of that as a society. And and we need to get back to the whole notion of, you know, we really are all in this together. And our our neighborhoods, our communities, our our villages are only as good as as our kiddos. And uh we we all have a part and have should have a vested interest in in the health uh, of our of our of our children. Well said, Jill. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to echo what Denise and Jill said too. I think that when we approach and offer support, it's important to also keep in mind that we're not shaming the parents too. Even though there are better methods or something differently could have been done, you never want to to shame the parents and and kind of close off that opening for learning. So again, just offering support like Jill and Denise said, and maybe even saying, hey, I'll, I'll stay with the kids if you want to like take a few steps away and, and take some breaths or, or, you know, something, something of the sort like that, something super simple where it just takes a few moments to really help calm and, and mediate the situation. Yeah. And I think we've all been there. You know, we've all had a time in our lives when we've been angry, when something has made us really angry. And not that we've hit somebody, but we've had somebody that has broken that, somebody that interrupted that anger for us. It might be that they did say something to us like, gosh, are you okay? It's just enough for you to step back for a second and take a breath. 
And I think that that can can help in any situation. If you see a parent that's doing something that, you know, might be putting that child in danger, just sometimes you can talk to the child. You can just say to the child, oh, that's a pretty shirt. And it's enough for the parent to, to take a step back a minute. Or you can say something to the parent about, are you okay? Gosh, I know how hard this can be. And it really allows them to step out of that moment that they're in and maybe even open the door for some help in the future, some more support for that family. Yeah. And to bring it back around to our last episode, if you had a chance to listen on advocacy, um, this is why it's also so important to advocate for more community supports for parents so that less situations like these happen where parents are just overloaded and overburdened and make mistakes and make bad choices that harm their kids. If we had more community supports, if we had that village mentality, like Jill was saying, less of these situations might happen. So even if you're not comfortable intervening in situations like this or or, you know, maybe you never see a situation like that happen. Truly, you never stumble upon it. There are still ways to get involved, which we talk about in all of our other episodes. So be sure to check out those other episodes if you're interested in other avenues of getting involved in this work. Or if you're not confident, you'd be able to tell when a situation is child abuse or neglect. We have trainings that you can take to learn more. So that's why we're here. They're always free, virtual or in person. So make sure to check those out. Denise, I'm thinking as we kind of close for today, I'm I'm wondering sort of what your vision for PCA Illinois might be for the next few years. I know you're stepping away and, and we'll definitely miss your leadership, but, but where do you see the future of the agency in terms of trends or priorities or where would you like to see our work go? You know, I talked about in the beginning how when I first started 22 years ago, we were really charged with the task of working with substance abuse, child welfare, and domestic violence organizations. And then that expanded out to other organizations like schools and the YMCAs and, you know, sports youth groups and and Big Brothers, Big Sisters and other organizations that work with families. And we really have expanded to where we are reaching a lot of different child welfare and other types of organizations that work with families. And in the next five years, I'd really like to see us work with families. I would like to see us be able to get our information, our resources into families so that parents call us when they want to learn more about child sexual abuse, where they are taking our classes and learning what to look for in their kids or the the situations that their children might be in. You know, I would like to see us doing more trainings for families so they learn more about shaken baby syndrome and how to avoid that or safe sleep environments for their kiddos. I'd love to start having parents in our trainings that we do around ACEs. You know, that would be awesome for them to learn more about adverse childhood experiences and childhood stress and trauma and how to help prevent that in their children. So I hope in the next five years, we continue to do the same great work that we're doing doing with organizations and programs that work with families, but also get closer to the families so that we become a household name so that everyone knows that Prevent Child Abuse is a great place to go and learn more information and that we're really doing primary prevention where everyone is getting our message so that we can have a better environment and a safer world for children to grow up in. That's such a great answer, Denise. And just really 
a great goal to strive towards. And I think we can all agree that that would just be amazing for the agency, but also would help strengthen our communities. So I agree. And I, I hope that we can work towards that, even though it is, of course, important to keep working with professionals and keep educating people working with these families. And the work we do is is still important, but tapping into the, the families directly, I think would have a huge impact across Illinois. All right. Well, thank you so much, Denise, for joining us today and for telling us a little bit more about your time at the agency and going over that myth with us and how we can all have an impact and play a role in child abuse prevention. It's been great having you on today and we really appreciate it and have really enjoyed having you as our, our leader, fearless leader, as Lane said earlier, and we'll all miss you dearly, but we were glad that you were able to join us today. Thank you so much, Kelsey, Jill, and Lane. I, I've really had a great time being on the podcast, and I just think that you do a great job with this, and it's so fun. I love listening, although I probably will not listen to my own episode because <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> we relate. We hear you. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of The Power to Prevent. And like Kelsey said, thanks again to Denise for joining us and talking with us about all your hard work at PCA Illinois. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned more about what we do. And we hope you'll join us for our next episode. We link some resources in our show notes, so be sure to check those out. And remember, you have the power to make a positive change in your community. 